Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Joining us now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, he is the head coach of the Purdue Boilermaker basketball team. It is in a parking lot somewhere near you, Matt Painter. Hello, Matt. How are you? Doing good. How are you? I just did a parking lot conversation myself a month ago with New Edition. It was pretty sweet. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. It was much better than what you get to deal with right here. You'd rather be talking to Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike than me, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But parking lot conversations are are the best. Hey, how how, how have things been going since the end of the season? Good. Just trying to, you know, like evaluate things. I think anytime at the end of the season, especially it was such a disappointing finish for us. Like our guys did a lot of really good things. And obviously Zach being national player of the year, um, had a lot of guys really step up and it, it was just frustrating for them probably more than anybody, just how we kind of slowly kept winning some games, but we also were like, from a confidence standpoint, just trying to boost our confidence and, and and feel good about ourselves. But when we've got into these games in the NCAA tournament and the high turnover games, like you, you know, you gotta you gotta take care of the basketball and give yourself a chance, especially when you have a player like Zach Eady and you have a team that was such a good rebounding team. We're one of the best rebounding teams in the country, but if you you know you turn the basketball over you know, you don't have a chance to rebound the basketball. You know, obviously you want shots to go in, but it's like, who are you when shots don't go in? Can you still grind it out and win? And that's what we had to be able to do in those situations. But just got to make some subtle changes and got to be better in terms of decision-making, got to be better in terms of really just making open shots. Like we, we, we had a lot of open shots this year that we didn't consistently knock down. And I feel good about our personnel and feel good about what we have coming. To, to hopefully make some adjustments there, but you got to be able to score 60 points in the NCAA tournament game from a defensive standpoint. Like you're, you know, you're holding them right there under 60 at the end. You foul a couple times and they get over that point. But you, you got to be better offensively. Like when we made that run to the Elite Eight, like we scored 99 points against Tennessee to go to the Elite Eight. Like you got to be able to score it. We need. We have really done a good job in the last six, seven years. We've been a top five seed or better. And we've done a good job of getting ourselves in these positions. Now it's been the same team that's really beaten us in, like, smaller, quicker guards. But yet, if you form things to get into the Big Ten, that recipe and those teams would really, really struggle. So you're working towards getting in those positions with a certain type of team, but yet when you get into the NCAA tournament, there's a particular matchup that's really caused you. Well, it starts with turning the ball over. Like, I don't care who you play and their size and what they do, you can't turn the basketball over. And we've just had that those two games against St. Peter's, and it's not really been anything that they're doing. It's been those unforced errors. Both teams pressed us to a degree. We really had very, very few turnovers against it, but it was more in the half court or at the end of plays. So just working towards that, you know, we obviously have some good guards that are returning that we feel good about making that kind of jump. But, um, no, it's it, it's frustrating. It's uh, at times humiliating because we've worked so hard, man. Our staff's worked hard. We've worked hard. 
and you just want it for your fans and you just want it for your players to get in that kind of position and then make a deep run in the tournament and try to get to a Final Four. But, like, as a competitor, like, you just dust it off. You just, you know, it, it, it's hard, it's tough, but, hey, man, you got to move on and, like, you got to learn from it and, and use it as motivation, and that's what we plan on doing. Yes, I'm Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You have moved on. Have you gone back to watch the tape against Fairleigh Dickinson? I have not. I have not. Are we are we trash no, I, are we trashing that forever? Will you ever go back and no, watch? No, 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 no. I, I I just have a tough time with that last game every season. Like, you know, that's what you work towards. So like when people say stuff or do stuff, they have no idea. Yeah. You know, you give your you know, you got people in your family that sacrifice for you, you give everything for it. Your staff gives everything for it. The families of your players, like, you know, we collectively together go on that journey. And we had a great journey. We just had a terrible ending to it. But I, I definitely will watch it. I definitely, obviously, have watched things before. Now I've studied the numbers and the analytics of the people that have beat us here and how it's kind of the same team and kind of the same trends that are happening. And that's what like people don't understand. Like You're doing everything in your power to stop that from happening again, just like I'm trying to do it right now. But you, you don't want to lose the momentum you've gained and enhance it. Like You'll get people that talk like you want to trade out two non-conference wins for two tournament wins or two two wins in the Big Ten for two like or four tournament wins. Like It's not the way it is. We're not trading baseball cards. It is competition, and there's another team there. But, like, no, we've always studied what's worked for us. We've always studied some things that haven't worked as much, and then we've always tried to make those subtle adjustments to, tr- uh, to really help our cause. Hey, Matt, this is <laughs> nothing against uh, the, the personnel that, that you have or have had, but in, in understanding beyond the stuff that, that your team you know does to itself in the turnover category, uh, is there anything right. that you're, you're thinking about uh, moving forward and changing regarding the approach? Yeah, don't turn it over. That's a good. That's a hell of a plan, right there, right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you lose an NFL playoff game, and your quarterback throws four turnovers, has four interceptions. Like, what does the game look like if you don't have the four interceptions? Well, we don't know because we had four interceptions. You can't undo those four interceptions. Like against St. Peter's, we have 16, 17 turnovers. Against these guys in a possession game, you have 16, 17 turnovers. So it's not a high possession game sometimes in the NCAA tournament. Like it's when you have high volume threes and you make a low percentage and then you have high turnovers, you're just putting yourself in a position where your defense has to be elite if the other team is making it. Like neither team was that good against us offensively and they beat us. And we had to be able to grind those out, but we had to have more opportunities, you know, at the rim. So you just work on the efficiency of running offense. Like it's not pushing a button. The thing that we have done is that we've really gotten the right guy in our program someone who values education, someone who understands how to play, someone that wants to compete for a championship, where we've been shortchanged a little bit that we really tried to help our cause last year and we didn't quite get there is an athleticism and a quickness. That's what we need more of, and that's what we were short of in that game. We still have quality players, but we do need more athleticism, which I feel is coming with Miles Colvin, which Cam Heidi is sitting out. Um, we signed Lance Jones from Southern Illinois. He was on the all-defensive team two years there. He was an all-conference player there. He's going to give us that other ball handler, too, that can is a combo that can play the one and the two, but also gives us someone that can really, really defend. So our inability sometimes to contain the dribble and also beat people off the dribble by multiple people, 
I think that's really going to help us in those areas. And then just the, uh, you know, the improvement, you know, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, anytime you see that Trey Kaufman ran, you see those guys that are freshmen that now move to their sophomore year, they normally make a big jump. And I would think those three guys from their freshman to their sophomore year is going to make a big jump. Um, I love our front line. Um, I love our backcourt. You know, I love everything about it. We, we just have to be better, you know, and, and be more efficient. And then if that's the case and we get into those situations again, that's how we were able to win games during the year. Like, we, we were not perfect throughout the year, even though we won our league by three games. But we grinded out a lot of close games and won it. And that's what you've got to be able to do. But you'd rather not be in that position and, and just be more efficient on both ends of the court so you're in a better position, you know, you know, heading into the, the last three, four minutes of the game. Matt Painter joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So we do hear today that Zach Eady has declared for the NBA draft and will go through the process in search of information. Well, sure. You know, he's still, you know, trying to gather a lot of facts and kind of figure out where he stands with everything. You know, I just want him to do what's best for him. I think a lot of people always look at it like the head coach is just trying to convince you to come back. And, you know, I look at it like I wish I was in his position. And, you know, I just want, you know, for him to make the best decision for himself, gather all the facts and make that decision and then support him in whatever he does. If he decides to go to the NBA, support him. If he comes back to Purdue, support him. I just, just continue to help your players, continue to want what's best for them. You know, Dean Smith had a great line that he would always talk about once practice starts we're going to do everything for North Carolina basketball you know and, and that's our focus and it's all about the team no matter who's on our team and then right as the season's over we're going to do everything in our power until the season begins for that individual and then that includes you know what their draft status is and where they are and you, you do everything that you can to kind of take some weaknesses and make them into strengths or enhance their strengths um, with that. But I think it's a great model to really use and like be happy for your, you know, your players like Brandon Newman is transferring for us. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him. He got his degree from Purdue. He hung in there. He battled, he fought. Um, he wants a, a more enhanced role. There's nothing wrong with that. And I've been the person when, you know, things go wrong, like and someone kind of like, leaves and takes off like i've been you know on those guys because i don't think you should run from adversity like that's not the case here at brandon like he didn't run from adversity he stayed and he fought and he won a big 10 championship and he won a tournament championship and he's been in the sweet 16 and he's got his degree from purdue and uh you know he was up in that office every day battling and trying and trying to get it figured out and he wants more of a role and um i respect that and uh, so I want what's best for him, too. It's a, so I think that's, yeah. that gets lost a lot. It gets lost that just, you know, coaches are just thinking about themselves or their own school. I'll be honest with you. I, the, the whole transfer portal thing gets me lost. Um, and, and I know that from a, a fan standpoint, fans dig it because it's it's like free agency. And that's one thing that I've noticed doing this job, Matt, is that there may even be more love for, you know, free agency and, you know, movement, endless movement than there is sometimes for the right. games themselves where we are now. And it, yeah. it just seems like that this – how much does this muddy – cloud up you know your your vision when you have to deal with stuff like yeah. this year after year yeah well we've taken two transfers in three years so like we're we're at the bottom of that that totem pole what i don't like um about it was what gets the you know you got to have purpose in life 
and you got to have purpose in this situation because not everybody has these opportunities that these young men and women have and you want to you know, you want to put parameters and rules in place that give them a better chance to be successful in life more than anything. So everybody's not a pro. I don't mean to hurt people's feelings, but like 98, 99% of the players across the board aren't going to play professional basketball. So you have to set up guidelines. When I thought our previous president of the NCAA really did a great job of in the last 10 years, he improved the graduation rates men's basketball, but he drastically improved and helped improve and set the parameters for people of color and their graduation rates improving drastically. And so now we're going to put in the one-time transfer, which has become the two-time transfer, the three-time transfer. And now what is that going to do for graduation rates? Well, we don't have enough data yet because this portal just started uh, with the one-time transfer a couple years ago, and but it's going to lessen the graduation rates. And, and that's not, you know, being purposeful. And I, I don't like, like, right away, your question talked about, like, the fans like free agency. Yeah. Like, let's don't lose our purpose. We're trying to take an opportunity for someone to play basketball and get an education to better their lives and have a great family and learn a lot through the way. Because you can learn a lot through sport. And, and, and now have something better for their, you know, for themselves, but also their family because of this opportunity. Well, if you're constantly changing and doing these things and people say, Hey, you know, just get with it. Well, I don't want to get with it. It's somebody's life. It's somebody's future. Like if you're born into situations of education, like my whole family went to college, you know, you're like, you're born into situations. Like my grandfather's a doctor. My dad's an attorney. Like if, if I follow my face, I think we got the resources to pick up the pieces, but what about somebody from a single parent home? What about somebody who has a family that's never went to college and all of a sudden he's just chasing, you know, trying to play shortstop and lead off. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, been at three or four different schools and then he doesn't get his degree and he doesn't make it as a pro. And now did this situation, you know, put him in a better position. That's all we want. That's all I want. I, I just want guys to be able to have great opportunities and get a great education because, you know, a vast majority of them aren't professional basketball players. And then I think that gets lost a little bit, like in our purpose and what we're doing. It, it just does. And so now when you look at the transfer portal and you look at these guys jumping in or whatever, and if you can't dribble with your left hand at Purdue, then you can't dribble with your left hand at another school. Like I, you're not going to change who you are. And so like now when you go other places, you have like, hey, how do you know really what's going on? Well, you got somebody on the phone telling you things, and they got seven scholarships. They don't know what's going on. Like, they're going to sign you, and they still have six. So how can they tell you about your role? This isn't Purdue where you're adding one guy in the spring two years in a row. There are schools out there that are signing six, seven, eight guys three years in a row because they can't keep people. You know, if you're going to grow people, you got to be able to keep people. And so I understand about transfers and like, I think there's positive transfers, but just allowing a situation for people to jump all over the place. And I don't think from the masses and the numbers, that's going to help from graduation rates. And then going forward, like, like, what are we teaching them? They're playing for four or five AAU teams. They played for one high school and then one prep school and then back to their high school. And now they play for three or four colleges. What does it look like when they're 24 years old after doing that for 10 years? You know, and playing on multiple teams across the board in our landscape. You know, I, are they just going to get a job and then just change their job and then change the next job and change that job and keep like, yeah. The millennials, that's what more or less that they do. Well, we in, in our landscape, like, 
I don't care, but the world doesn't care if you can, you know, make a step back jumper. They just don't care. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, you know, we all got to go out into the workplace. Well, we're, we're sitting here and that's what we do. Like we, we help guys out. Like they come in here, we deal with adversity. We grow from it. Like we become a family for them. And now if this family keeps splitting every nine months, like who gets lost? Like I don't get lost in my position. I'm 52. Like I don't get lost in it. Like I've already went through what they've went through. I've already had Gene Cady and Bruce Weber and these guys that have helped me. Now it's my time to help them. I just want the avenue and the platform to be able to do it. And I can here at Purdue. Like, I have that, and we do have that because we have retention. But it's going to affect us a little bit more at some point. It's going to come at some point. But the other people, and they talk about, hey, fans like free agency and fans like this. Who cares what they like? Like, we're trying to build young people, and that's our future. The future is always your young people. And so now we're trying to build them and help them so now they can run things when it's their turn, and they can get what they want outside of an all-conference plaque. Like, you know, it, it, you can't let people always do what they want to do. You just can't. you gotta, you got to install in them so they do what's best for them and they do what's best for their family. That's, that's the mindset you have to set. If you just let someone who's 18, 19, 20 years old do whatever they want, like, boy, I'm glad somebody didn't let me do it. Because I <laughs> promise you I would not be on this, this call with you. I promise you that one. And then so and everybody yeah. from my hometown are nodding their heads that they're listening, all four of them that are listening. So, <laughs> Yeah. And, and so you, you see my yes. point? Like, you see I where do. we're going? I do. Like, I don't want to, like, yeah. and people look at it like you're just being greedy. Like, no, I'm, I'm not being greedy. Like, I, I want what's best for other people. Like, I want what's best for our people and our young people that are in this game. And so when they look at these things and say, like, hey, man, like, this is a cool thing. This is a good thing. A cool thing for hu- whose future? Like, and I, and I understand if someone goes to a school and they don't get to play, like, yeah, you went to college to play. Like, Go somewhere else so you can play. I got that. But you got guys leaving that are in good situations because they're just leaving to be leaving. It's change. Like, you've got to be able to understand when you should change. You just do in life about a lot of things, right? You just got to understand that. But you can't change for the sake of change. And that's all we're doing. You know, we have a very individualistic setup in our basketball world. We just do. It's very individualistic, you know. JMV's ranked 39th. Matt Painter's ranked 42nd. Well, who says? And if the guy walked in with the button down, that's evaluating. Like, well, well JMV's a four-star. Matt Painter's a five-star. If I showed you the cat that walked in that evaluated him, you'd be like, yeah, well, you, all you guys keep calling him a four-star and a five-star because of one person's opinion. It doesn't matter. Like, we, we allow all this bias and we allow all this individual stuff. Well, the last time I checked, whether you're in high school, college, or the NBA, it is a team sport. And the guys that can do that and, and play collectively with other people and understand and play winning basketball, they're the guys that are going to help you. Those are the guys that are going to be successful. But we, we have set these parameters where you're like, well, this sport can leave early and that sport can leave early. And, well, basketball's got to leave early. And we all got to be consistent. And we lose the purpose of what is best for young people. And that's all. I, I don't like education being devalued. And if you're allowed to transfer all over the place, it doesn't mean some people still can't get their degree because they can. But is it is it enhancing the value of education across the board with the numbers? No, it's not. Is it devaluing education? Yes. And I don't like that. I don't like that for anybody. And I'll fight that all day long. 
and you, you've got to stand up for what's right. We need better leadership from the NCAA. We need better leadership across the board, and, and we got to help young people and do what's right for them. So Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, before I let you go, my fear is this, and I've stated this, and I don't know where we are. I do want your opinion of it. My fear is that not too soon down the road that the transfer portal is going to mean more in college basketball than the recruitment of an incoming freshman. How close are we to that? Are we there? Uh, we're, we're working towards that. And like we're, we're really working towards because the, the setup that they've done with everything is, is really hurting low to mid-major basketball. Now, you'll see somebody like Florida Atlantic get in there and have success. I'm not saying that from a basketball standpoint. Sure. Like, that's great. Like, Dusty May, like, what he did in coaching, and those guys are good players and putting it together. I'm, I'm not talking on that behalf. I'm just talking, like, now why should somebody low to mid-major go and recruit a high school kid? Because if he plays well, he just leaves. So why should they? They should just jump that step, and that's what they're starting to do, and that's what some of them are just flat out doing. Why should we put our resources there when we're not going to be able to keep them? If they don't play, they're going to leave, and if they do play, they're going to leave. So why not just skip that step, go right to the bucket, and just take guys that have already been at one school because the guys that have been already at one school are now less likely to leave going to their second school. Now, are they still leaving and going to their third school? Yes, they are, but they're less likely. So they've skipped that step, and now they really are jumping in on guys that have been at their third school because they know they're probably not going to be able to get to their fourth school because their clock's going to run out. And so, like, now we're not going to recruit high school kids as much. Like, that's the – that's it. Like, I, it doesn't – and so when you hear those things that are so obvious and so clear – and, and, and still, we've, we've implemented this. See, anytime you, like, you have legislation or you have new rules or things are happening, I always think the people that install these rules should be able to give you a game plan of how to navigate in these different waters. So I always ask those questions in those meetings. I said, can you give us a template of like, how a low to mid-major school should operate in these waters? And I'm yet to, to, to get real like direct feedback or a game plan or anybody doing that, you know, from the national office. It, like it seems like everything's, everything's kind of flying by the seat of its pants right now. Yeah, yeah, this, this, yeah. It's, they're out in a pond like, well, you guys adjust and, you know, you guys are resilient and you guys will figure it out and you guys will learn. Well, what if some guy's an assistant for 20 years and he gets a head coaching job in this mess and now he's got to figure it out and he's never had to navigate those waters and – he just, oh, three, four years, he loses. He keeps losing guys in the spring. And then he doesn't, you know, he gets fired. Then he never gets a head coaching job. Like, like what happens to him? But also what happens to all those kids that are in high school that are now not getting recruited? Like, what should they do? Like, and so what's happening, you're seeing some trickle down and you're seeing some more guys like go D2. And you're seeing more guys at lower levels like get in there. Well, now what you're seeing is a lot of the D1s are now recruiting the D2s because now they've got them at their second school. And once again, they've jumped that step. And they should jump that step because they've been put in a tough spot. They only have so many resources financially to go out and recruit. And now they can sit there and they go, well, we got to save our days for the spring so we can travel around and see people that are leaving schools or whatever because this is our best avenue to get a good player. This is our best avenue to, to put a team together and then just try to grow from there. So, um, it, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And it, it's really hard, but you're still going to see some people have success through it. Like, I don't care what you do. You're going to play a game. You know, one team's going to win, one team's going to lose. 
Like you're going to still see people have success and then people turn around and say, see, it's okay. But if you're not there seeing them, how they make the sausage and how they go through things, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult. Um, uh, to maneuver. Hey, Matt, I've always said this. I, I love basketball. Basketball has me. Basketball has me regardless. It's never, you know, I'm never going to be turned away from it. But again, as you move forward, other people may not, you know, in, in enjoy it as much as I do. And it just kind of seems like the combination, and it's great, NIL and Transfer Portal, all that, this combination is just leading us down a lack of guardrail path to where you, you don't really know where you're going, but your belief is it's probably not going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I, I, I think, you know, we, we, we have a new president with the NCAA. Um, I, I, I'm, I've yet to hear him speak um, to our group. Maybe I'm too so old. We were, maybe I'm just too old. I mean, I, maybe that's it. No, I, I think you're right. Like, I'm, I'm interested to hear, like, what his, you know, like, his passion is, his mission is. I, I know this. We've, we've had some guys, you know, and it's – it's unfortunate, but we've had some some situations in college basketball where, where where guys have crossed the line, you know, here the past five six years, and they've been caught red-handed, and things have happened, and 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 so like the compliance and how that's structured through the NCAA, like, you know, you're it's not about going after those people as much as it is rewarding the people out there that are doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. And when, when you don't do those things and you don't have a system, you know, what, what's when, when you have a system, like you got to reward the people that do what they're supposed to. And then you got it from a compliance standpoint that, you know, there, there just has to be consequences for people that don't like that's everything. Right. Yep. I mean, that's everything. That's, that's a corporation. Um, that's just law and society right there in a nutshell. Well, we, we don't have that. We don't have that. We, we have people that are out there that, that aren't doing things the, the right way. And for whatever reason, we don't have a system that can hold them accountable. But yet this system keeps going on and on. I've, been, I've only done it for 30 years, but, like, it's, it doesn't work. But yet we keep doing the same things. Then we'll bring in other, like, groups or wh- whatever they call that are supposed to make this, you know, quicker and faster and more efficient. And kind of getting to the point, like it's pretty obvious. Like it's it's not hard to figure out, like the people in our business that don't do things the right way. And I, I just don't understand how we can't hold those people accountable. And we haven't held those people accountable. They they continue to get more opportunities and growing and getting better situations or staying in their position for long periods of time while they go through, you know, this whole thing with the NCAA. And I'm I'm all for due process and everybody everybody deserves due process, but like. It's very frustrating. It is very frustrating for coaches out there um, just to have trust with everything that has happened through the years. Are, are you um, are you outspoken when you guys all get together and and have meetings and such? Are you outspoken? Yeah. Regarding this, I'm very, yeah, I say the same things to you that I say to them. Because I, I just um, I we've talked about this a lot too, and it just it, it seems like that. Um, I don't know. Cooler heads prevail. Um, you know, smarts real good prevail. I, I mean, that sounds Southern Indiana of me right there. But I it just it, it seems like that there is an answer down the road if you're willing to look a little bit further forward. It just kind of, as I mentioned, it seems like they're flying by the seat of their plans. You are yeah. one. 
we are 100% correct. If, if we want to take a step back yeah. and really open things up and, and have policies and procedures that are the best, a lot of what they're doing, and I don't blame them for what they're doing from the hole that they're in, but the NCAA is just staying out of the courts. That's all they're doing. It's fear of litigation. They're spending so much money. So anything that's restrictive towards a student athlete, they're going to undo. And that's what they're doing here in the portal. That's what they're doing with all the transfers. That's what they're doing with the official visits. They're going to do that with everything because they want to try to eliminate and minimize the millions of dollars they're spending to stay out of the courts and the money that they're spending while they're in the courts. So I understand the position that they're in, but their decision-making process and how they got to that point, they're the reason that they're in that position. And now here we are fighting for our student-athletes and fighting for the game, and they got to make these kind of moves and it just puts everything in a pickle. Well, what about some of those individuals in their future? Like, we're, we're trying to fight, so it's, you know, we're doing what's best for them. We don't want to devalue education. Like, we don't want to, like, let everybody just move and move and move. And, like, there's nothing wrong with transferring. But when you're transferring and everybody's playing in three, four, five schools, that wasn't the purpose of it. It absolutely wasn't the purpose. No doubt from name, image, and likeness. Like name, image, and likeness wasn't from a recruiting standpoint, people being offered large sums of money. No, it was supposed to be able to use your name, image, and likeness right as you get to campus so then you can make that money. That's the purpose. We're not trying to stop somebody from making money. But now you go through the recruiting spot, and, and now who, who benefits? Who benefits from name, image, and likeness? The people with the most money. Like that, like that, that isn't it. So you can't sign a player because you don't have X amount of dollars. Well, that's what the rule wasn't put in for that. But yet that's what's happening. And we're, we're not doing anything about it. Like, I, at least on the surface, you know, they're not doing anything about it. They're not discussing it. They're not trying to get to it. Like, like there's a lot of, um, you know, politicians that really push for that. But why can't those politicians come into a room and speak with basketball coaches and basketball players and sit down and, and really just, you know, chop it up so they know everything so we can do what's best for them. We're not trying to take that away. We're trying to enhance that and help that, but we didn't need it in the recruiting space. Well, it's smack dab in the recruiting space. So who benefits the most from it? Well, well schools with the most money. And, and that's, that wasn't the intent, but yet here we are and we have this system and we just point the finger and say, well, we don't have anything you know, when we don't have any support, we don't have anybody coming to the table to help us. Well, leadership starts at the top. Last time I checked, like you get beat in the tournament, like it's the head coach's fault. Like it's my fault. We have struggled in the NCAA tournament. It is my fault. It's not anybody else's fault. But when you get to the national level, well, whose fault is it? Like, I don't see anybody raising their hands. Like, we need some leadership and we need to do what's best for our student athletes in all of college basketball to help them. Not necessarily the 1%. Matt Painter joins us. We know as of today that Zach Eady is going to get that information as far as declaring for the NBA draft is concerned. But also there have been some interesting hoops you've had to jump through regarding NIL money for Zach, being that he's from Canada. How was that working? 
Yeah, well, we're working towards uh, him trying to help that, obviously, being from Canada and being on a student visa. So we're working on him getting a different visa um, because he was National Player of the Year. So a little bit different. Uh, he's put himself in a different box, but um, it's something um, in Canada that you can do when you have reached that kind of a status where you can have a different visa. So we're still in the process of that. We haven't uh, gotten that yet, but that will definitely help him be able to do his work here instead of having to go to, back home to Toronto to be able to do his work. So, yeah, it's different. There's no doubt he's put himself in a different position. And um, we've kept things the same for everybody that comes in um, from an initial standpoint. And then while you're here, you can grow it here um, through our Boilermaker Marketplace, um, through our collective, and then different things like that. But we do it through our collective. We do it through charities, which I think was a great idea by our administration. They've really done a great job. We have a young man named Jack Gallagher, who's our liaison, who's done a fabulous job with our name, image, and likeness. And I really like it. I really like what it's been able to do. Um, but we've also kept it out of the recruiting space, which I think is the right thing to do. So I don't get in the bidding wars. You know, if somebody's looking for the highest number, then Purdue's not your spot. You know, you can't forget about the number at the end of the day, and that's what Purdue's going to do for you and the education you're going to get from Purdue. That number is going to be greater, and you got to keep that in perspective. And I'm not trying to get people to stay away um, from entertaining that and, and, and doing name, image, and likeness because they rightfully should, but they also need to keep in perspective that they're going to live for 60 more years, and, and that, that 60 years is more important than the next six months. Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Man, I can't thank you enough. I always enjoy the conversation. I just sit back and and listen, and I know the folks out there do as well. Stay in touch, and we'll get you back on when we uh, solidify things a little bit further down the road and see how you're doing gotcha. going into the summertime, Matt. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, man.